Backchat. 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 Politics and current affairs. Backpack. Backchat. Backchat. Your alternative to talk back. Yes, indeed, you are listening to Backchat here on FBI Radio. Welcome back to our first show of the decade. As always, you'll be getting the freshest wrap of news and current affairs. I'm Swetha Das. And I'm Shami Sivasubramanian. This year, we've seen Australia devastated by widespread bushfires that continue to ravage the country, as well as controversial men's right advocate Bettina Arndt being recognised as a member of the Order of Australia for Service to Gender Parity. Yeah, it's been a pretty dark start it's to so the year. It's so dark. Hey? It's so dark. <laughs> but as always, we're going to give you the news you may not have heard on your airwaves. We'll be bringing you a special show centred on up-and-coming community projects with... Um, with a focus on encouraging youth and minority perspectives on issues that matter to them. First up, we have Priyanka Bromhead, founder of We Are the Mainstream, a collective for black, indigenous and women of colour. It's a group which hosts events to showcase the excellence of these women in business, the arts and politics. After that, we have Angela Heathcote from Sweaty City, a new magazine for Sydney Siders about the effects of climate change on the city and its residents. Sweaty City is launching tonight and we cannot wait to hear all about it. And as always, we want to hear from you join in the conversation and text us in on 0409-945-945 or tweet us at Backchat FBI. To show us all what a beep lying, beep backstabbing, beep treacherous, beep beep she is. Thanks, Colin. Backchat. Your alternative to talk back. At the end of this month, a symposium exclusively for black, indigenous and women of colour to celebrate and elevate their voices and visibility will be held by an emerging collective called We Are The Mainstream. The founders of We Are The Mainstream will be exploring what it's like to be a woman of colour across various industries and within the context of everyday Australian society. We have Priyanka Bromhead, We Are The Mainstream's founder, here with us today to discuss the collective's aims and its inaugural event. Hi there, Priyanka. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me this morning. Our pleasure. Now, can you tell us a little bit about We Are The Mainstream and why you founded it? Yeah, sure. So We Are The Mainstream basically was birthed out of um, frustration, really, with the lack of representation. Um, And um, to be honest, I was kind of spurred on by my best friend in Melbourne who had gone to a walk event. And she, um, she told me all about it. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I have never been a part of anything like this in Sydney challenge accepted um i'm going to start my own thing and that's kind of yeah where it started love that so we are the mainstream is a very powerful name for your for your collective can you tell us a bit more why you chose to go with that name yeah absolutely um so one of my favorite um authors i'm an english teacher by trade um that's what i do that's what i love and tony morrison um and her writing really resonates with me and um, there's a really fantastically powerful interview um, between her and um, Jana Wendt, an Australian um, journalist from maybe 20 years ago, I want to say. And basically Jana Wendt asks her some pretty um, racist questions, really, um, about her and why she doesn't incorporate um, you know, <laughs> Another one. Yeah. It is iconic. Yeah, you know we'll share yeah. it on our Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, and Tony Morrison responds with such poise and elegance yeah. um, and really articulates, you know, um, well, firstly, you're being racist, but secondly, um, where I already am is the mainstream. Um, so, yeah, I guess um, this movement is about 
rejecting the fact that we are minorities and that we are on the outer and um, that we are on the fringe, but actually saying, well, actually, we are the mainstream for ourselves. We are centering our experiences, our voices and our excellence. Um, and we don't need external validation. So your inaugural event is on International Women's Day, which is often criticised for focusing largely on white women. So white feminism, as has come to be known. So um, how is We Are The Mainstream combating that perception? Yeah, well, actually, um, our event is the weekend before. So it's on Feb 29. And um, there are two reasons why we did that. We wanted to separate ourselves from um, white feminism, firstly. But also we didn't want to be competing with, um, you know, the bigger, larger um, events that often happen in that week. Um, and I guess we are the mainstream as a womanist kind of w- womanism uh, movement. Um, we we feel like we and our um, our ideas and our concerns kind of precede mainstream feminism, um, which, like you said, you know, is usually white feminism um, and doesn't really acknowledge the varied structures and systems that need to be dismantled. So what was your decision behind making the first event for the collective Autonomous for Women of Colour? Yeah, so um, diversity and inclusion, they're such buzzwords, right? Um, But often the people dictating what is diverse and inclusive are, well, the opposite of that. So um, at some stage, you know, we are the mainstream will open its spaces to white allies and supporters um, who stand in solidarity with us. But... For our first event, it was really important to me to really see who would still be excited for us um, and ultimately back us despite feeling, in quotes, left out or excluded. Um, it's also a new year so and a new decade. Um, and it's important to set some boundaries, I think, as, as black, indigenous and women of colour and say, hey, we're here, we're making noise, we're building our own platforms and we're celebrating our own on our own because, well, we are the mainstream. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swatha and Shami. We're speaking with Priyanka Bromhead, the founder of We Are The Mainstream, here with us today to discuss the collective's aims and its inaugural event later this month. So, Priyanka, how important is it for women and girls of colour in Australia to have a forum like this? And what large effect do you think this will have on the community? Yeah, um, look, as an educator, I'm keenly aware of how representation really matters to girls and also young women. Um, you know, there's that quote, you know, if she can see it, she can be it. Um, and We Are The Mainstream is really about that whole idea of reclaiming, renaming, rewriting our own history so that we're not just subjects, we don't just kind of, you know, plod along, but we're actually agents of history. Um, and I think as if, as adults, we don't have spaces that represent us, authentically, um, you know, what hope do our future generations have? So, yeah, really hoping that the effect on the community will be twofold, um, solidarity with us, acknowledging the systems and structures that make things a little bit harder for us to get from A to Z, um, but also that that solidarity will then lead to people who are in positions of privilege or power to be active agents of change in dismantling those systems. So how do we now go about boosting the representation of people, especially of women of colour in business, in arts and politics? It's a big question. It's right? a big Give us all of the answers, right. Priyanka. Um, can you solve uh, how, how this long? issue for us? <laughs> how long do we have? Um, look, this is a really tricky question because um, I think while it is important to increase, you know, um, representation of all people, particularly women of colour, um, it shouldn't be tokenistic. 
But on the flip side, um, while the token minority is a step in the right direction for visibility, at the end of the day, it really needs to be about consultation and institutions, organisations or businesses tackling this from the inside out. Um, there really needs to be like systemic kind of acknowledgement and then change at the core, um, realising, you know, that there are power imbalances and that it's not really equality that we're after, but it's about e- equity um, and really seeking authentic and active ways that, you know, people do do diversity, equity and inclusion. Yeah, in a nutshell. <laughs> Love that. We Are The Mainstream sounds awesome. So Priyanka, can you give us the rundown? How can people get involved in the collective? What are your upcoming events? Um, and, you know, how can we, uh, you know, when is the collective's inaugural event? Yeah, sure. So if you are BIWOC, so that is a black, indigenous, a woman of colour or even gender diverse BIWOC, then please come along. Um, our inaugural event is going to be huge. Um, it's somehow turned into an interstate slash national event. Uh, we've got women coming from all over, um, you know, the country. Um, otherwise, if you are an ally or a supporter who believes in authentic empowerment of us, um, you can choose the pay it forward option on our Instagram link, um, you know, or you can consider financially partnering with us if you're a small biz. Um, we're also having a marketplace for any makers or local designers. Um, they can also shoot us an email at hellowearethemainstream.org. Um and if you'd like to join us, um, we are being very generously supported by Banks and Arts Centre and Urban Theatre Projects. Um, and our event will be held on the lands of the Darug people at Banks and Arts Centre on Feb 29. Um, we, we want this to be as accessible to people as possible. So ticketing is tiered. Um, so hopefully we do have you know, a real diversity of women attending. Um, and they can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash all uppercase W-A-T-M-I-W-D. Um, but, yeah, we're on all major social platforms. So um, if you just search We Are The Mainstream, you should see all of what we are up to and what we are about. Um, and, yeah, we'd love to have you there. It's been an absolute delight having you on the show, Priyanka. Thank you so much for talking to us this morning. Thank you for having me. That was Priyanka Bromhead, the founder of We Are The Mainstream, a collective for black, indigenous and women of colour. They'll be hosting their inaugural event later this month. That's right. Don't go anywhere because coming up, we'll be speaking about the new magazine on the blog highlighting the impact of the climate crisis on Sydney residents. And as always, we want you to join the conversation. Text in on 0409-945-945 or text um tweet us at blackchat fbi um i'm gonna go to my song of the month my song of 2020 yeah it's by glass animals i'm really old <laughs> it's by glass animals the other side of paradise stay tuned you're listening to Backchat. chat the, the australian taxpayer even pays for the toilet paper she uses does she go down to the chemist to buy the tampons or is the australian taxpayer paying for those as well Backchat, chat your alternative to talk back In January 2020, Sydney was the hottest place on Earth when temperatures in Penrith peaked at 48.9 degrees. By the end of this century, the CSIRO predicts Sydney will have taken on the subtropical climate of Brisbane. Within the next few decades, summer days hitting 50 degrees will become the new normal. Sweaty City aims to chart the stories of Sydney's residents affected by climate change and rapidly expanding urban scrawl. Sprawl? We got it. (laughs) We have its founder, Angela Heathcote, in the studio right now to chat about her magazine. Hi there, Angela. Hi, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So how did Sweaty City come about? So 
Um, my full-time job as an environment reporter for Australian Geographic, um, I obviously do a lot of climate change reportage. So in that role, I was kind of looking at all these different stories and it's almost impossible to cover them all. It's almost like every single state slash town should have its own dedicated media that is just for reporting on climate change because it impacts everything. So we were kind of looking at all the stories in our own our own home city, obviously Sydney. And whilst, you know, there were reports here and there by the ABC and whatnot and The Guardian, there was no one place that was dedicated to telling these stories. And we were so concerned looking at the changing, the changing weather and then all these other ecological changes. And we thought, well, why don't we take the opportunity to produce the content that we are not seeing, basically, and write it in a way that isn't as ostracizing as a lot of science writing can be in the mainstream. So, yeah, that's kind of where it came about. So what was it like to finally see your idea on paper? It was it's been a while in the working, right? <laughs> yeah, it's been a year and a half in the making. So, you know, we were we were we were making the magazine, you know, outside of work on weekends and wrangling all the talent that we knew and um, making sure all our writers were paid for, all our artists were paid for. So. It's, it feels good. <laughs> we were talking about this in the break. You could not even imagine how devastating this all has become right now, right? Yeah, Working yeah. Working on it a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was like, like well, you know, there's a feature that really maps out what Sydney will look like in 50 years' time. And what's crazy is that so much of that is already happening. So it's already included in the magazine and, you know, all these scientists were already predicting these things. <laughs> Insane. So, you know, why is it so important to have a magazine dedicated to Sydney and its climate? Mm. So I guess there are there are kind of... There's a lot of climate change reportage that focuses on global issues, right? Like, you know, um, the Arctic is melting, uh, all these other things. And they seem so far away. And then you've got the opposite end of, like, sustainability magazines that go, oh, if you just have a keep cup, you know, mm. that's your job done. <laughs> yeah. And so we were like, what's the middle ground here? Because how can you kind of um, – how can you report in a way that doesn't individualise the issue but doesn't also make it feel overwhelming? Yeah. And so we thought – the only way you can do that is if you go for a community, a city, and you kind of map out those issues that are so personal to people. Yeah, I love that. So you've branded the magazine as a youth journal. These are your words. These are your words. Um, uh, how critical is it to give voice to young people, especially when it comes to climate change? Yeah. So what's really important about the magazine is that it's all written and created by young people and it, it, it gives a voice to a lot of young people who are doing things in new ways. So I guess... Climate change communication, it hasn't worked over the last 20, 30 years, right? So it's kind of like, how can we attack this in a way that's new and innovative? So we give a voice to people like, you know, FBI's own um, Izzy Phillips, who is using her, you know, um, she's a comedian. She's using her role in that in that realm to push these ideas and make them kind of communicate them in a way that people can listen to. And then we've got, you know, young Sydney documentary makers like um, Marley Lopez-Hope, who she's taking that kind of... David Attenborough, look at this beautiful world narrative and totally turning on its head and kind of saying, well, these are the urban stories of what's actually happening, what the world actually looks like, not what these natural history documentaries are trying to make the world look like. So pushing that kind of creative talent as well. um, And then also, yeah, harnessing people and young science writers who I guess typically would be rejected by other publications. You're listening to Backchat on FBI Radio 94.5 FM with Swetha and Shami. We're speaking with Angela Heathcote about the launch of her new magazine, Sweaty City. It's covering the impacts of climate change and the climate crisis on Sydney locals. So, Angela, 
Can you give us an example of a story you featured that really stood out to you? I guess overall, my absolute favourite is the Sweaty City cover story because for me, it it maps out what Sydney is going to look like in 50, 60, 80 years time. And it's really daunting. So we're talking about like the cultural side of things like, you know, the sport that, you know, really everyone loves cricket, tennis, all those kind of things. They're just not going to be happening in the summer anymore. Music festivals in Sydney, not going to be happening anymore. We've already seen lawn be cancelled from bushfires in Melbourne. So we're going to be seeing the exact same thing happening in Sydney. Then you've got things like, you know, the botanic gardens going underwater, circular key going underwater. Um, You know, I'm a really avid bushwalker. I like to get out on my weekends because I'm stuck in the city for most of my week. The Blue Mountains is already gone. <laughs> like, you know, 50% or something like that has been burnt. So all these things that we, we revere in Sydney from our beach culture as well, because it just won't be a reality in those temperatures and also sea level rise is just going to be tearing away at those shores. So there's all these things that um, I relate to and that, you know, that are so so dear to me that are just going to be lost. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you think Sydney is prepared? to you know <laughs> meet the ramifications of climate of the climate crisis. Yes and no because in a sense the New South Wales government has been I guess their mentality is adaption, right? They're just like let's adapt, let's make Reactive. sure. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's not it, that, that, and that's the cognitive dissonance, right? You kind of you're like you're adapting to something when you could just be, you know, you could just prevent the actual problem and what i think is good about the magazine as well is that it actually reveals that new south wales is actually the biggest coal exporter um state in australia and so we don't always acknowledge that because we think about adani and we go no it's queensland yeah. it's actually <laughs> us <laughs> um and so yeah it, it, we kind of talk about how you know new south wales plan is really adaptive and that does not benefit most people other than those who you know rich people who live on the coastline pretty much so it's not really going to work either way So Australia has such an outdoorsy culture, as does Sydney. So these climate changes are really affecting just the way we live every day. And I don't know about you, but I feel really, really helpless. So what can I do to to contribute to what you're doing? I think number one is to hold people responsible because I guess in a lot of ways we I mean as an environment reporter I'm always saying um, I'm always reporting on extinctions but no one's ever actually held responsible for those extinctions and that's been the case in Australia for maybe 20 years so I think finding out who's responsible for certain things and actually saying and holding those people accountable is really really important and that could be voting um, that could be going to your local members and saying hey wait a minute you participated in this Um, the other the other the other way I would say is um, like so many of the creatives that we've mentioned in the magazine like Izzy or Marley um, think of creative ways in your own circles that you work in whether you're um, a barista you're a um, artist you're a you know um, anywhere you work try and think of ways that you can kind of impact your your close circle because climate change people listen to climate change or stories of climate change from person to person, mm. even angry families who don't like bringing this topic up, you're more willing to influence them than any type of media or scientist. So I think impacting your circle and thinking about the ways that you can do that is so critical. Love that. So you're also working on a podcast called Climax. Yes. <laughs> Love that name. <laughs> uh, what can we look forward to? I guess um, I'm making that with um, our my co-editor, Angus Dalton, and the important thing about that is we want to talk about... so. 
the thing about the sweaty city editors as well is that we are always talking about natural history and climate change and um you know and we want to talk about it in a way that's not ostracizing like you know i don't know like the drum or q a where you're battling out the ideas it's yeah. like no 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 we accept climate change is real and this is what you know yeah. and <laughs> it so, is a fact yeah yeah, yeah yeah so we're not going to be like is climate change real or what what's the answer to this we know the answers to it that's not the discussion it's more about bringing in people who are communicating in an effective in effective ways and it's also br- about bringing on really cool um urban ecology scientists as well because you know ibis from ibises to you know um um, flying foxes to Christmas beetles and things like that. There are all these things happening in the city yeah. that um, kind of go under our noses that are really, really interesting. So we want to bring some of those conversations, um, I guess, out of the dark. Cool. So you're launching the very first issue of Sweaty City tonight. There's a launch party. Can I come too? Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. Of course. <laughs> um, we're having Mimi the Desert Pearl, Oaken Osan, Board Shorts, Herb Greedy, um, One Third of Artverse Science, which is really cool, Tasker. And Izzy's going to do a comedy set about climate change, so I'm really excited. Hell yes. We've yes. had Izzy on the show before. Friend and, of the show. And she does, um, uh, you should, everyone should check it out if you Google ASMR <laughs> climate change. Um, Izzy Phillips, you'll find out exactly what that means. Yes. <laughs> um, Angela, thank you so much for talking with us this morning. Thanks so much for having me on. And congrats on an amazing launch. Like, it's going to be great. Um, that's all we have for the that's, show that's today. All we've got today. Um, another big thank you to our producers, Natalie Sakalovska, Eden Faithful, and Pip Leeson. And thanks again to our guests, Priyanka Brumhead and Angela Heathcote. We'll catch you all next week, but before we do, we're going to play a song by Maina Doe. This is Delusion. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>